I'm Cleveland Booker, son of Quajon. I stand here as what my people would call Malaisi, speaker for the dead. My planet's lost. My family. I feel the final moments every day. I pray none of you ever have to experience that kind of pain. And I want to do whatever it takes to ensure you don't. Communication and diplomacy has been the way of the Federation for centuries. I too value those things in normal times. But these are not normal times. Irreparable harm has already been done. We need to defend ourselves. I recognize using Targa's weapon carries risk, but so does not using it. Don't wait until the people you love are taken from you before you act. You don't want that on your conscience. Trust me. On behalf of all who have been lost, please, end this now. Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Adam Bone, and with me, making overlapping speeches that sometimes have similar words in them are... Emily Bowen Marler. Bill Woiwod. Rudy Kaspaker. Alright, so welcome to Strange New Takes, um, where we review episodes in this strange new era of Star Trek, and it's uh, gotten a bit stranger, where we have... Um, um, Star Trek Discovery's mid-season um, finale uh, called But to Connect, which is going to be the last episode of this first phase. And then we'll start back with Prodigy and then uh, go back to uh, Star Trek Discovery. It's interesting. I don't know if this has been done before, uh, but maybe we can talk about that later. Uh, but today is um, us talking about Star Trek Discovery episode name but to connect and make sure to follow us on social media at strange new takes on facebook instagram and twitter also uh if you enjoy the pod tell your friends about it and don't forget to give us a five-star rating on apple podcasts and as always just want to let you all know we are going to talk about this episode in depth so here's your spoiler warning hey we may also spoil some of the things that come after this episode if they were in the preview that followed the episode so you know it's oh, all fair yeah. game <laughs> that is entirely true controls uh, behind it all yeah <laughs> <laughs> and saru dies <laughs> oh. Uh, oh that was a sad part uh so sorry about that everybody <laughs> terrible <laughs> uh so yeah it, this is the point where we're gonna uh, go in with our strange new takes so who's got a strange new take for me yeah uh i have one uh so it's actually not that strange i just have a recommendation for a sci-fi tv show uh, Station Eleven on HBO is really phenomenal. I really like just oh. recommend it super highly. So if you like sci-fi, or even if you just like good like prestige drama television, you should check it out for sure. Yeah, I don't um, think I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's new. It's new. It's still airing right now. Um, for the episode, I th I loved it the first time around. The second, I watched it a second time to take notes. It 
didn't seem quite as compelling the second time, but um, mm. still thought it was super solid. Uh, if in the next episode we don't like figure out who species Tensi is, I'm gonna be pissed. That you know they've done this like J.J. <laughs> Abrams thing where they like have the mystery and they tease it out for like you know the whole first half of the season now, and I'm ready to just know who they are. Uh, it's the Man in Black. all right um my general strange new take is um about the james webb telescope that finally launched i think a week or two ago oh did it wow yeah yeah it's been uh years in the making i was gonna say i was gonna say for a lot of us we have grown up with the development of the James <laughs> Webb Telescope, or at least in, in through our teenage lives. So the successor to Hubble has finally launched. Uh, it is going to um, be positioned not in, in Earth orbit, but at what uh, what they call a Lagrange point, which is about a million kilometers um, uh, away from Earth, um, uh, away from the sun, so where it has less light and um, it can... It can uh, see more. It's not a light-based telescope like the Hubble. It's uh, more infrared, I hear. Um, but yeah, here's to us getting some more cool pictures and, uh, you know, maybe even finding out the true origin of species 10C and the DMA and all of that <laughs> using James Webb. And really, um, do, do you know where is uh, the telescope now? I think, so it launched on the 25th. I think it's supposed to reach in like under a month so like beyond the lunar orbit by now i guess okay um heading wow. towards lagrange point two so if you think okay. of a straight line as the sun earth uh moon and it's like behind the moon so it'll always be <clears throat> it's it's like between earth and uh what's after the moon uh, mars right what's after earth mars right <laughs> so yeah and it'll it'll yeah. be locked in an orbit uh, solar orbit so cool so I, I guess always has the um the earth shadowing it yep nice yep. yeah i i'm i i don't know i'm personally very excited about the james Webb space telescope because the uh my understanding is that it'll also be useful for um exoplanet research uh because it, it's it ha- it is large enough to be able to uh see potentially detect some planets that we haven't been able to see and also take a closer look at some that we already know about yeah and, and i think like... through direct imaging right yeah which is which is amazing. not possible so far yeah yeah it also looks like a cool doomsday weapon it's better than a giant penis so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my take. I mixed it up. Uh, I added the DMA in there, so that's all. There, there you go. You, you've you've done your duty. <laughs> okay, so my strange new take for life is: I wonder if there's like a reverse bell curve that happens regarding the bedtime that you have on New Year's Eve that corresponds to your age. So, you know, like, or I don't know exactly what the graph would look like, but you know, I used to stay up. You know, always you had to stay up past midnight, right? And who knows how long after and um, slowly but surely my bedtime has gotten earlier and earlier and earlier and last night we watched Discovery um, we started at a little after 8 and um, Travis fell asleep like four times <laughs> or toast four <laughs> times during the episode oh, no. 
So was, we it, was it during the speeches? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think we went to bed around um, like nine thirty last night. I was glad for Roku's little uh, New Year's Eve countdown video that they had, little animation video. Dietrich got a big kick out of that, so he's watched it four or five times now and says Happy New Year every time it finishes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, but I think my parents do stay up to midnight sometimes. So like maybe once you get past having kids out of, and they're out of the house, you start staying up later again. I don't know. Or maybe my parents are just weird. They drink more <laughs> now than they did when I was younger too. So who knows what's happening. We liberated them by leaving. We, yeah. <laughs> they're just living their life. They're living their best life right now. So, And then my strange new take for the episode Oh, I was gonna. I was about to be real pissed that they were gonna be bringing in Mirror Universe with that dude. <laughs> I was like, "What? What are you doing?" But I was still a little annoyed that it's all about his personal, not vendetta. But you know, I'm just like, "Good God, come on! Why are people having their personal one single person issue mm-hmm. drive these huge decisions that affect the whole?" universe not even the galaxy i feel like well i guess it is the galaxy but still is that stuff drives me crazy so anyway yeah, he, he's, he's got some real soren energy going on uh towards the end of this episode yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah so for my strange new take um i don't know uh i i know that this is so this is a time of year where a lot of people are kind of like cleaning their houses or like just trying to clear some stuff out and uh, Jenny and I started going through that too. We're we're finally tackling the the basement after I don't know six years of uh, kind of letting it languish and be in quite a horrible state. So I'm I'm kind of excited at the progress that we've been making. Uh, nowhere near the finish line, but uh, there's at least like much more floor than I've seen before. Uh, <laughs> I was able to vacuum some of it, and it was a, just a great feeling. Um, for the episode itself. Uh, you know, um, I was extremely, extremely skeptical about the anomaly and that whole plot line, but I'm kind of into the idea of, uh, book as a villain. Um, so I, I, I think that, uh, maybe I need to put a little bit more trust into the, the Star Trek Discovery writers, uh, because I think they could be taking this into an interesting place. You can share that trust with me a little bit. I need a lot of it. well yeah so i I guess we we might as well get started so um the episode summary here from memory alpha is uh tensions rise as representatives from across the galaxy gather to confront the threat of the dark matter anomaly zora's new sentience raises difficult questions uh yeah i mean that seems like a reasonable enough summary to me uh so yeah i um i think Basically, the structure here that I think makes sense to talk about is we have these kind of three plots uh, that are going uh, that are most of the episodes. So uh, I guess maybe it makes sense for us to just get into here uh, and start talking about that uh, that scene where we're kind of just shouting at each other and voting across the atrium. Or how about the part where the white man just appears in the middle of the scene and mansplains everything because too many women have been talking and, and so and he nobody needs to make his him. voice in there <laughs> that irritated me too i liked this episode but there were a few moments that i was like really really 
<laughs> anyway. <laughs> <sighs> oh yeah, that's that, that, that. There was a lot of the the procedure of that uh, that whole scene felt a little bit uh, strange to me. That that we we just let randos like suddenly take up and interrupt the president of the federation, etc. Yeah, and just appear like like yeah. not even interrupt, but like like physically manifest himself right next to her within like harm's way. <laughs> I just yeah. don't understand that. <laughs> I, I is think this that, when he says choose your moment or something like that yeah like, he said that to book and then he transports yeah. himself right next to the president yeah i i think that there must be like a, a level of comfortability with transporting that everyone gets in the 32nd century where we have these personal transporters that so like you're no longer like it doesn't scare the shit out of you to have someone <laughs> appear like two feet away from you uh but uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, the, the premise here is that, uh, the idea is that once we get the coordinates from the DMA's origin, um, kind of what do we do with that knowledge? Uh, how, how did everyone feel about that, um, that sort of setup for this scene? I mean, it keeps it simple, right? Like, um, you have direct democracy in 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 play uh and i guess it's a majority vote and you mm -hmm. it's it's nice to see um so many uh so many species so many worlds uh co-located it's a little uh a little scary in case there's a big baddie somewhere right um i wonder mm -hmm. if they have like a a backup dude um or you know like state of the union type um, to protect, and this is not even the Federation, right? This is just a gathering of, of, of planets, right? So, so, um, it's, it's, it's good to, it's good to see all of them together, uh, and set up for a good old, good old debate and vote. Um, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it seems a little bit contrived to me because in reality, it, like they frame it as like a really clear binary choice. You either like do the nice thing or you just totally like try to blow them up. But I think in reality, you would have a strategy where maybe you try to make contact, but then have other options that you can, you know, default to if, if the nice approach doesn't work or whatever, but okay, fine. We need that in order to precipitate the events later on with book and Tarka kind of going rogue and, um, you know, turning book's ship into giving it a spore drive, like in like five seconds, <laughs> 94 seconds, right? What was it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's fine. Uh, and it's, and, you know, despite what I just said, I mean, it is kind of a, a legit difference in philosophy. Um, and I think it's believable that, or I found it to be believable that book would want to, would be more hawkish. <clears throat> Well, I, so I, the thing that frustrated me, another thing, I guess, well, I'm going to find out that I was frustrated by a lot of things in this episode, but um, <laughs> one of the things that frustrated me about that whole, um, like the way the vote turned out and, you know, oh, I hope, you know, those of you who were, you know, were going the other way, I hope that's okay. Whatever. I don't mm -hmm. remember what she said, but um, what the president said, I do not see how the vote, how voting for the diplomatic for first pursuing the diplomatic option is 
exclusive of the destroy the DMA option. Like, like those things are not mutually exclusive. Well, they're mutually exclusive if you do them the other way, (laughs) but, but they're not, if you go the diplomatic route first and then you realize, Oh, you know what? These people aren't gonna, you know, whatever. So then we have to destroy this weapon that they're, that they're doing, that they're using. But so that seemed frustrating to me. I wanted to be like, can't we just, and I know, I know book is, struggling because he saw his planet be destroyed in front of his eyes and i get that but um i don't see how tarka's uh, i don't know when tarka explained what his motivation was behind it i was like okay book you are smart enough to see that that's ridiculous and you should not be aligning yourself with him anyway yeah it it, i I, i'm sensing that you're you're less of a fan uh, as time goes on with ron tarka (laughs) Uh, yeah not my favorite does anybody wonder who the uh friend and or lover of one tarka is could it be lorca lorca and tarka <laughs> Lorca and tarka i wondered for a second if it was a was it aurelio or but yeah, yeah. he has yeah. family oh, oh yeah he does have family. so i was like oh no it probably isn't him but i like in some way i wondered if it could be some little bit of an homage because i i would imagine he, uh, is it Kenneth Mitchell? Oh, he's not going to be able to come back. So um, mm. anyway, so I want, there was a little part of me that wondered if maybe an Aurelio from another, from some sort of parallel universe. And he, well, anyway, so that was the thought I, yeah, I, 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 I guess my head. I, th- I think there was, I, I, I think my, my read of it was also that it was a romantic relationship, but I think there, there was at least a bit of room where it could have been just like, a, a very deep platonic relationship that they had. So, so Dude I, bros. yeah, like I, I, I don't think that's, um, uh, necessarily out of the question. So I, I think I could see them revealing that it's Aurelio. I, I, that's an interesting direction to go. Um, if we do have to sort of like pick an existing person, um, I think we all, we all know it's going to be Spock's long lost brother. <laughs> <laughs> Another we, one. <laughs> He has lots of long lost siblings. Is it like a cloning plant somewhere? Well, I mean, because Sarek lived a long time and he he fell for women that didn't live as long as he did. So, you know, he could have a whole string of... Like every every fourth character in Discovery has to be a long lost relative of Spock. (laughs) Which I I guess, yeah, at least Discovery wasn't the uh, originator of that (laughs) bad storytelling device. But they do seem to lean lean on it a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But seriously, I I bet that it's going to be some kind of reveal and it's going to be somebody that maybe not a character that we know necessarily, mm-hmm. although it could be, but if not, then it's going to be like their cousin or, you know, <laughs> it's going to be somebody who fits into canon somehow. I don't think it's just going to be like, Oh, Steve, my, you know, who you've never met before. <laughs> I like how we give so much, uh, wits, um, to, to the writers to, we just don't know what to expect anymore. Um, Go, going back to the setup uh, with the representatives, and, and my apologies, um, I, maybe this was explicitly called out, but uh, so these are this is not the federation, obviously, right? With the UE, UEDF and and all these other, but there is there is a voting body as such because they yeah. are trying to develop a, a form of um, collective decision making, right? 
Um, so a lot at stake. Um, that, that's the that's the same read y'all got as well, or maybe it was explicitly mentioned. I feel yeah. like that's the goal. Like, uh-huh. like the goal is to involve them all in the decision making in the hopes that they may want to throw their cap into being part of the Federation again. Yeah, it, and it, it was it was interesting because like it seemed that uh, Burnham was voting for the United Federation of Planets. Yeah, but then there's also Tarina, who's also a member of the United Federation of Planets, voting for Navarre, and then there's a there was that other person that I'm not sure if he's a Vulcan or a Romulan, which I guess he's a Navarran c- citizen, maybe. But it like he also got to vote. So I, I like wasn't sure like who gets votes or not. I feel like he represented the what's that extreme sect of Vulcan? The vo- the logic extremists. Mm-hmm. I got just the way he <laughs> carried. I just kind of thought he was one of them. Like because yeah. weren't they the ones that were kind of pulling strings to force Tarina into? Um, Oh. having the exit clause i feel yeah that's anyway. that's possible um and th- there were a, a couple of other uh vulcans present i think mm-hmm. so I, it, it may be that they have like each um each of those members that pulls weight but but it's possible possible that, like i mean navarre is maybe the seat of the the vulcan and romulan government but maybe the colony worlds that they have also get votes and they represent them or i don't I don't know. It's it's I mean, not worth way, thinking too hard about, probably. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, it's never been consistent in Star Trek how they treat like Vulcan and it's especially Vulcan and its relationship to the Federation. The mm-hmm. best way I can kind of headcanon it is to say like, oh, it's like the EU, right? I mean, there's like you know an EU government, but then like France will still have an ambassador to Germany or something, but it, it doesn't really make sense or it's or it's super inconsistent. There are like you know, there's like Starfleet, but then there's still like Vulcan ships. Like Vulcan has its own, like yeah, version of Starfleet. It, it, it's really inconsistent. Mm. Yeah, and we ha- we have been seeing more uh, Vulcan ships lately. I think uh, at least in in relation to like investigating the DMA, uh, they also have that new silvery look. So so it's I mean, I have gotten a sense that it's sort of the ships that we are following in Star Trek for the most part are human ships. Uh, maybe which is also why a lot of the captains are humans um and like that's just kind of the look of those and maybe if you serve in the vulcan side of starfleet then you you get the cool ring instead of nacelles and whatnot yeah Mm -hmm. one other thing um around the atrium and general ndoy and and earth right Mm -hmm. um so apparently titan and earth have now being unified yeah right? they had that dispute do you guys feel it's 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 a pointer to hey we are in biden times and oh. <laughs> things are better <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> i don't know I, i'm half serious but not as well so anything come of that and then she was kind of like very aloof about it's like i you know um uh, the president indicated that I hope this leads to you coming more often and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the carrot for the Federation. And she's like, we'll see. Or yeah. rather than saying, I hope so too, but <laughs> so, so cryptic. And well, I, I mean, it really makes me want to find out what happened before the burn that made the Federation so unsavory to so many of the yeah. member worlds, you know? Yeah. Which that, uh, the Wonderlands book, uh, got into, uh a, a bit but yeah we don't have like a, a canon thing besides like people don't seem to like them um without and I, I don't know that we've really had much of an explanation in the the series canon besides like why do we care about this old dead 
uh, yeah. Federation thing. I mean, what what they say is that like the you know the membership expanded so much, there were so many members, and the big powerful members kind of took control and they stopped listening to the smaller members. But presumably, Earth would be one of the larger yeah member planets, right? Yeah, right, and, sa- so. and same with Vulcan, and like, so why did they splinter off? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I guess we haven't, I don't know if we've heard, had confirmation about uh, Andor, or, wait, is it Andori or Andor? Andor. It sounds very Star Wars, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, uh, I, I I guess I think what what's interesting at the very least with us getting the Earth update is that uh, I, I sort of assumed this was just like, a, oh, okay, well, we'll solve the Earth problem and, like, get them to join, like, in the next 17 minutes or whatever, the way that we did with Navar. Um, or maybe it'll be a two-episode arc or something like that. But I get the sense at the end of this episode that maybe Earth won't. Uh, and mm-hmm. th- this vote sort of made it so that Earth, Earth eh, maybe not even this season, could join the Federation. Yeah, I think it's more interesting from, like, a storytelling perspective mm-hmm. to have Earth not be part of the Federation and to have a little bit of daylight between earth and the federation yeah and and we get sort of like there is that choice that we act it's a hard choice that we have to make of like do we appease everybody or do we uh do we do the thing that we think is right yeah and earth is like super hawkish and like militaristic right Mm. so it's like do you even want you know want them to be (laughs) part of your club yeah so what what did you guys think about the aliens speaking of star wars um yeah (laughs) i I just thought that it felt like a a star wars bar scene with a a lot of like really extravagant you know um uh production value kind of costume setup and um another one of the slug people or whatever that uh was the um i don't i don't actually know the name of uh uh Owo's position. It's not Khan. We'll find out <laughs> and get back to our our listeners. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's uh, I I I thought I I like that we're we're now getting a bit beyond just the uh, like weird face paint and like that makes you an alien or whatnot. Um, so yeah, but I I think that there is kind of that fine line of like when do we get into Star Wars territory, um, and start hearing cantina music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean the the, the uh, costuming and the makeup and stuff is great, right? Mm-hmm. I mean like really, you know, top notch. But it's it's just different from like Star Trek historically, right? Mm-hmm. And but the thing that I liked about it is that a lot of the aliens looked like really disgusting, or just like like. Un- unappealing but you but you using... would expect aliens to look like that right yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah you know <laughs> you're using human forms of measurement to define appeal which you know right, this, right. what a human would do yeah mm-hmm. the star trek that has aliens that look kind of like that would be star trek 4 i always yeah. thought star trek oh, 4 felt yeah. the most star wars ish as far as like the aliens that they have in that scene at the end you know when they're all clapping because kirk is amazing you know mm-hmm yeah, that that is a, that is a fair point. So we we do have at least uh, when there's a bigger budget around, uh, <laughs> there there has been precedent for uh, sort of stranger aliens. Um, I guess so. 
just so we're not spinning our wheels too too much can on I, this. Can I can I throw us completely off track for thirty okay, seconds? Okay, just do it. Like throw yeah, our uh, wrench right in here. <laughs> my favorite TV aliens, and I'm I mean I mean um, I may rethink this later on, but I, right now, um, if it, if I think about it, is the ones from um, the movie Arrival. Um, the oh yeah yeah. The way they introduce them is just cool, but that's just me. Yeah, that's my that's my yeah. deviation for the episode. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I I think that uh, Star Trek does have a tendency to to go for the alien that is more, uh, they're they're a metaphor for something and not really a um like a truly alien species or whatnot. Uh, it, like even when we have something where like there's an enormous scale of um how different they are like. They, it's still like played by John Delancey and uh, like it is is like godlike, but still like wears clothes like us and looks like us and is petty uh, like humans. Um, yeah. So I I think that uh, it, it I would love to see Star Trek get into something like um, a rival type strangeness. I I think the sphere data at least uh, is getting a little bit into there where it's a uh, hundred thousand year old being that's like not like is now kind of a starship or something like th- that's uh we're at least getting a little bit um into more interesting territory uh yeah. i so I, th- there's that point where um uh ron tarka gives us like this um this uh this i guess this binary option and we start and we have these kind of dueling speeches um how did uh how, how did we we feel like people made their cases like that were were you more swayed by one or the other? It's it's interesting um, how the the pacifist case always has to be the closing case, right? In in mm. in popular media, right? Or, or or the winning case is the closing case. Uh, have y'all? Have y'all? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or... I I I think that that sort of makes sense. Um... I I found I found books argument compelling, right? Like mm-hmm. um, to the extent where I didn't even maybe we've heard the the pacifist case so much, um, and that you you can't hear it enough. It is actually very important. So let me uh, preface that right. Like uh, shoot first and ask questions later is not the way to uh, uh, engage and, and expand, but. Uh, it it's almost become uh, you know implicit the pacifist case. So I don't even remember Burnham's uh, pitch as much, and and I wonder is that is that me or is that how the world's becoming? And uh, well, it's because half of her speech was spliced with uh, Stamets's speech at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so we didn't she even... probably dozed off, Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay if you don't remember. <laughs> I really found them all to be completely unmemorable. Um, <laughs> all of yeah. them, if I'm being honest. I mean, book was very simple. Like, yo, they killed my planet. Uh, I don't want to happen to your planets. I mean, it's a good. I mean, it it is a good argument, right? I think that, that the pacifist case is much stronger before they destroy a whole planet, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's like you know if enemy of the United States like just destroyed Arizona or something, you know, he wouldn't be like, well, maybe we should talk to them, you know, like 
you know, the yeah. time has, has passed to, for diplomacy at that point. Yeah, I, I think the, the most compelling part of the pacifist argument um, that that comes up and was also like hinted at in the um, the previews for like uh, next part, the next part of the season is like that uh, we might be going up against a foe that is ve- like vastly superior to us in every way. And so, yeah. like, why the hell would we start off uh, trying to blow them up without even knowing who they are or where they are, et cetera? Um, well, I have. To, oh, did I didn't interrupt. No, you, good, good. Well, I just I also find I mean, yeah, Book's case is compelling. I feel for him, but I am less swayed by his argument because he's being manipulated. Yeah. Mm. And so that just and I know I know everyone in the atrium isn't going to doesn't know that that's what's happening mm-hmm. behind the scenes. But I just find his compel his argument argument just is it. I mean, that just weakens it um, because and I I, ha- I do. I was a little um, so I was pretty frustrated with book, especially when he seemed so upset that Burnham was going to speak still speak from the pacifist perspective but i was like hell yeah she's gonna speak from the pacifist perspective you've never swayed in your conviction before don't sway now because of a man and she didn't so i was glad but um but i was just i he uh he slightly redeemed himself by leaving the message for her because it wasn't a f you michael i'm doing this myself like (laughs) at least he said i love you and you know Take care of my cat, whatever. But it, that that slightly, slightly redeemed yeah. him a little bit for me because I just thought because he knows he can't ask her to go against her convictions and principles. He ha- if he wants to have this done, he's going to have to go do it himself. Yeah. So like at at the very least, like if he goes like full villain or something, like there there is a part of him that we know is not. Um is not not a hundred percent comfortable with with how everything is going um but yeah i I think that is interesting because his speech might have been pretty similar if he had if he wasn't manipulated um like i i think he was kind of ready to give a speech like that without ron tarka uh intervening maybe he didn't know that you're that it's totally okay for you to like appear two feet away from the president and no one's gonna shoot you or whatever um but it's a yeah, it, it it's it's an interesting dynamic they've set up because now Ruan Tarka kind of owns that speech in a way that it wouldn't have happened otherwise. Well, and it also just I mean, it just weakens Book's character. Yeah. That he was swayed by what Ruan Tarka said. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that shouldn't have convinced you to go make your speech. Like that should have made you step back a little bit and thought, hmm Yeah, you're... maybe I need to reconsider the position I'm in right now. I mean, his original uh, rationale of, hey, I lost my planet is way stronger than whatever Ruan Tarka is calling up, right? Which, yeah. in a way, I feel could be completely like, I'm, I guess it won't be, but it could be a completely made up story, right? <laughs> like, we have no evidence. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, was... he's not been a scrupulous <laughs> yeah. person so far. I mean, it, it didn't have <laughs> legs. The story didn't have legs. So now that I think about it, it's it just seems very odd. Um that that's what convinced book um yeah so oh, yeah maybe, maybe there's more that we'll we'll get into that um I'm, I'm hoping we get a little bit deeper into that uh for the second half of the season um i i think this is probably a reasonable place for us to uh take a break and uh we'll return 
uh, with the the other two parts of the parts of the plot, uh, sort of that the bit about Sora and uh, the stealing of the spore drive, which I guess cool. we already kind of talked about, but <laughs> so maybe we won't bring up bring that part. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna have to listen to the episode to find out where you started your break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, have you completed the evaluation? Nearly. He's been just as tight-lipped with me, Commander. What would you say if I were to tell you I was leaning towards extraction? I would say I think that's a bad idea. But something still concerns you. I feel good about today. It's tomorrow that worries me. Tell her, not me. Zora? Yes, Commander. I know you mean well, and I, I know you, you value and respect Starfleet and us, but you could still prioritize your feelings over our needs and our captain's orders. Everyone on the ship is in a chain of command. That's the agreement we make to work together and keep each other safe. And you're not part of that. I would very much like to be. I was hoping you'd say that. Before you decide anything, might I offer a recommendation? Of course. However, my evaluation is now complete. It's my official determination that Zora is indeed a new life form. It feels marvelous. What does? Being seen. Hmm. Did Starfleet's rule against integrated AI does not apply? Correct. So what happens now? You said you had a recommendation. Yes, uh, I was going to propose that Zora join us, join Starfleet as a specialist, unless... I think it is a wonderful idea. We're Zora to swear an oath to uphold Starfleet bylaws, and we're Captain Burnham and Admiral Vance to agree. She would be bound by the same rules that govern us all. I'll give it my full support. Zora, do you want to join Starfleet? I would like that very much. In that case, uh, may we get rid of that? It wouldn't be much of a failsafe if I could dismantle it myself, Mr. Saru. Allow me, with pleasure. I'll inform the powers that be. Sir, if I hadn't changed my mind, would you really have extracted her? My evaluation was as much about you and the others as it was about Zora. I can see now that partnership is possible on both sides. But if that hadn't been the case, I would have recommended that you be reassigned to another ship. As it should be. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we remembered that I asked a question, then we had to sort of think about what that question might have been. And we now remember, I was wondering uh, what the position uh, OO serves on on the Discovery's uh, bridge, and it is ops. 
So uh, I guessed that, by the way. There you go. Ooh. I just want to get great, some. Yeah, I want to get like a, a gold Emily, star. Emily or got the guess, and then we we verified on on memory alpha. So uh, <laughs> points to Emily for that. Um, yeah. Ten so, points to Ravenclaw. Oh wait, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we we did uh, over break. We saw a little bit of a. There was a a, a battle of the houses competition where uh, hosted by Helen Mirren was interesting. I'm not <laughs> sure that she knows what what uh, Harry Potter is, but uh, it was uh, interesting to to see and then have us try to guess what some of the answers were. <laughs> um, but yeah, as I mentioned before at the end, uh, we don't actually need to talk about stealing the spore drive because uh, we already did. So. Um, <laughs> Now we're going to go into the the plot that I, I like to think of as uh, to be or not to be a ship. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess, uh, how, how do people feel about the dilemma that's set up here uh, where, where Zora is refusing to provide coordinates for the DMA's origin? Yeah, I liked it. I, I was bought in. <clears throat> that definitely is troubling, you know, because yeah. you trust... You trust the ship, not only the ship, but you trust the crew. Like if the crew were to have been able to figure out what the coordinates were, you would trust that the crew would reveal it to the captain or, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That, which I mean, we, we have had uh, instances where where characters try to like hide things from each other and the captain sort of has to give the hard call of like, no, you need to tell me because we're going to do this thing, even if you disagree with it. Um, but yeah, I, I I really appreciate that we are going we're exploring more of what it means for Zoro to be the ship and why, like other reasons for us to be concerned. Whereas uh, the previous episode was like, well, the ship might get scared and kill us all. Uh, <laughs> and now it's like uh, the ship is wanting to do this thing in our best interest, which might kill us all. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a, it's a sort of a unique direction. I feel. I mean, it's, it's always, um, from from a science fiction standpoint, the quintessential. I won't listen to you. Um, I'm an AI, but I won't listen to you. Bit has always been interesting, right? With, uh, with Hal Nine Thousand going, I can't do that, Dave. Right? <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> um, uh, so that 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 part's good. Um, I I think they're trying uh, across multiple different instances the show is trying to uh, imbibe a sense of discover yourself um be confident about yourself and and be confident to create an environment around yourself to um to to you know find find yourself right whether mm -hmm. it's um uh, gray or or zora and even going back to the uh, United Earth Defense Force, um, and their you know xenophobic nature, so they're trying to they're trying to pull lessons or difficulties that exist in today's society or global society, and 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 so I, I feel that happening here again, um, and and let's see where they go with it. I I got the feeling that at some when they said when they talked about extraction when Kovic talked about extraction in a mm -hmm. potential physical form i was like oh they're they're preparing a new character um like a cortana type of uh, thing right mm -hmm. um but i guess they didn't go that way and 
So it's 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 a good plot to have. Um, it's one that's tried and tested in in uh, you know being unsure of an AI's intentions. Yeah, Emily, you're muted. Oh, sorry. It's because my fan keeps going off on my computer. <laughs> um, did anyone else find it creepy the way, um, like the images she would show of things on the ship that were like making up her dreams? And I was just like, that's just a little weird that there's. It's not even an AI anymore, but it's a new life form on this ship that is watching everything that everyone's doing all the time. That's a little weird. Well, I. Yeah. I I, th- I think it's it's uh, I like that Stamets brought up in this episode was that like that point of like uh, do what like do we want to have an AI or a or a being or whatever that can see literally everything that we're doing always? Maybe yeah. she needs to have parameters where she doesn't. She only kind of like how we don't want our phones to turn on unless we say Siri or Google or Alexa yeah. or whatever. Sorry, everyone, if you're listening to that on speakers and I just activated all of your devices. <laughs> but, um, but you know, maybe maybe they have some sort of, um, not rule, but, you know, like protocol for if her name isn't, if she's not summoned, then she isn't to be uh, peering in on whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, there are some interesting, I mean, when you really start to think about it, there are some interesting dilemmas. Um, I Okay, what really bugged me right at the beginning of the episode, uh, when they're in engineering, <clears throat> and Stamets is like, oh, to help speed things up, we could get like Voyager to help with its compute resources. We need more compute resources to process mm-hmm. all the data. And then Adira is like, no, that won't help. Because Voyager doesn't have the sphere data. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, you need the compute resources to process the data. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> well, and, and, and then, like, the, the ship is like, oh, no, you don't need anyone's resources. I will tell you in the next 45 seconds. <laughs> right. <laughs> this was an entirely useless conversation we just had. <laughs> Um, they just wanted to remind us of the sphere data. They need to remind us of that every once in a while. So yeah, yeah well, I had kind of forgotten. So yeah, yeah, it's they, they don't bring it it's up like two seasons ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess it it was fully two seasons ago at at that point. Uh, so yeah, I, I I do remember sort of having that surprise in the uh, in season three when when they like mentioned that the sphere data was what was creating Zora, um, but. Uh, yeah, so I I guess um, I have no idea what I was going to say, so I don't know why I said it. <laughs> so I guess. So I so what did you guys think about the resolution? Because I found the the kind of dilemma, and it's a little bit like harkening back to Measure of a Man with data, right? And yeah, yeah. I, I I thought that was pretty cool, but I thought the resolution was pretty unsatisfactory. They basically kind of sidestep the whole issue and they're like well she's actually not an ai or something or she's like some new yeah. artificial life form that's not an artificial intelligence somehow um and so therefore she can just continue to like be the ship computer well and and it's it, it's kind of a weird re like justification that they have because it's it seems to me that it's like because there is this random new part of the computer that means that it 
spontaneously was created it wasn't created by like humans or something and therefore it's not artificial and so that's why it's not an ai which seems kind of bizarre to me because like my expectation um of something that's like a true ai is that it can write its own programming so if it wanted to create some unique like compute computation structure that would it would be able to do that and it doesn't it doesn't cease to be an ai I feel that she wasn't the one that created it, though, because she said something like, I don't I don't know what happened. Like, I don't there was at one point where they were talking about some some change that happened and she didn't she couldn't explain it. She didn't know um, why that came to be. And so it wasn't a, it wasn't her changing her programming. Mm. Yeah, th- I, I guess that is interesting because it it's maybe that's sort of the proof that it is really the the sphere data integrating with some of the new technology so there's uh at least some sense of it if if it's an ai it's whatever the sphere data was um if that was if the sphere was an ai or if the sphere was like a being or something like that um so yeah i uh i think it's uh it, it's at least interesting that because I, I also expected that this was kind of the the pitch for like, oh, there's they're going to introduce a new character. Zora's going to like have a body um, and that'll just be like they'll, it'll just be a regular char- uh, character in the in the future, which in in some ways, like that's a badass way to, to introduce a character like that. They used to be the ship or something. But I think like maybe going forward, it would be less interesting because th- there are things that Star Trek can do now with the ship as a uh, an entity itself that they wouldn't be able to do anymore. And it would just be kind of this curiosity of like, oh, for these seven episodes, Zora was the ship. And now they're just like a the latest data clone. Yeah, and there's a there's a present day um, lesson in there and in like respect everything in the form that it is already present in. Don't try to retrofit stuff and Mm-hmm. reshape it in your image um it's all that skirt but yeah she she got she, uh, and the gender is she right for zora that that's, yeah that's what we're going with yeah and and so she got um and did they talk about her becoming an officer right in starfleet or something Specialist. like that and, yeah especially um, so, so she will join um uh the the, the journey of uh the the, the exocomp went on right became sentient um in tng and and then uh, joined starfleet and then developed a negative attitude in lower decks and if, if you all remember Dude, I, I want to see i want there to be a spinoff where zora goes to the academy and it's like, <laughs> they, With Tilly. You know, they're like ordering their uniforms and she's like well i'm a ship <laughs> well you know you, you, like, 340 meters long and, uh, <laughs> so i don't know what size that is but and like, what ship are you going to be assigned to when you graduate it's well i am a ship so uh, you know that's the next episode right kobayashi <laughs> well how does she tackle kobayashi <laughs> um that's funny anyways i i feel i don't know i feel I feel that they they could have done more, um, especially with the whole Cronenberg thing, right? Like I actually got stumped by 
the when when he explained to Stamets in the end, oh, if if this had not worked out, you would have been the one to be kicked out. Um, and oh yeah, and, yeah. So I was like, okay, um, never saw that coming. And and so what what do y'all think about that? I actually didn't, didn't quite understand it. Uh, well, you know, together. so was it when did Zora say? I think it might have been right after Kovac said, um, that. She, he he felt that Zora was a new being, and she said, "I feel seen," or something. I oh, can't remember if yeah. that's if that yeah. was when she said that. But um, I actually appreciated him saying that, and you know, uh, Stamets appreciated him saying that because so often, at least in our society, we expect other people, we expect the person who is different to conform to what is understood and acceptable, rather than. Um, than disciplining the person who is terrorizing them. You know, I mean, we tr- we're trying, we're getting a little better at it, but, um, mm. but it's, so I kind of feel like, like it was a moment of, well, no, it's, if you're not able to feel trust for Zora, that's not Zora's issue anymore because we've kind of gone through this whole thing and it's been made pretty clear that, that you can trust her and she does have your best interests at heart and she is like a member of the crew. So you not trusting her is a you issue not a her issue. And so you're the one that's going to have to be reassigned if that yeah. becomes a problem. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's a, that's a good, really good point, Emily. Uh, there's a, uh, I, I like that together with it. Like, it's just a nice bit of like misdirection or whatever, where he's, he starts out the conversation, like thinking like we're all expecting him, like he's going to force an extraction and is going to like make uh, Zora become like a, a, some other entity outside of the ship. Um, and like that's where we're going for it, but it just sort of pivots in that, in that other direction. Well, and then there's a there's a level of understanding. So I would imagine Stamets. I would hope by the time we get to the twenty third century, when Discovery originally happens, right? So that's where they're all from. Um, that Stamets didn't face adversity because he was gay, right? Like yeah. I, I would hope that that was not, that was a non-issue right in the 23rd century. Even though women um, weren't the, allowed to be captains in the original series, but uh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I hate that episode yeah. so much, so it much. Was a, it was Don't a great even one get to me started on. on it. Anyway, <laughs> it's like the worst episode of Star Trek ever. Well, maybe, mm. maybe that contenders. goes to code of honor, but no, Oh, that I hate that episode so much. Anyway. Okay. Um, sorry, I got distracted by my rage. Um, <laughs> but the actor most certainly has experienced adversity yeah. because he's gay. And so it almost felt like a moment of breaking the fourth wall when Stamets said, that's fair. You know, like when you would have mm. transferred me to another, you know, like it just yeah. kind of was acknowledging like, nope, you know what? Yeah, that that you're right, because that would have been a me problem and not a her problem. So. Yeah, it's uh I, th- I think that they have taken this uh, in a uh, th- there's a lot of really interesting points that we've made around this character dynamic. I, I really appreciated having Stamets there to give us to, like kind of our own take that is pretty common around, among people to be like suspicious of like AIs uh, listening in on things like what if we give things to power? Like what if what if they rise up and kill us all? Um, so a lot of his arguments like felt like. I probably would have said similar things. Uh, I also would have, I probably would have wanted to have the conversation, not even on the plant on the ship, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. 
I, I I guess how did we feel about the contributions from uh from Gray and Adira here? Uh, did that feel like useful to the conversation, or um was it? Yeah, how, how did that integrate with the whole uh, sort of? I, I thought their, dynamic? their perspective to kind of present a counter argument was really valuable, although mm-hmm. it was totally. You know, they just walk into the room, right? Two, two randos, <laughs> an ensign, like literally the lowest ranking like officer you can be, and then Gray, who has like no role at all, you know, like no, yeah, like, no yeah. formal like position on the ship, and they're just like <laughs> putting forth their opinions and yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I thought they, you know, in you know within the argument, they played a really important role. Yeah, it it definitely. Um, I mean, I, I guess to some degree that this is sort of like a. I feel like a lot of discovery is like very um, uh, maybe sort of like the ethos of like Gen Z focused or 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 whatnot. So it, like that that uh, I guess it makes sense to have them be the ones uh, bringing for that that argument of like no, you need to respect the ship for who they are and uh, like it, all all of that kind of um, arguments. So I I, I think it. It, it worked even though it's uh this episode had lots of randos walking interrupting meetings that were already happening <laughs> it's like yeah who invited you <laughs> how do you even know this meeting is taking place <laughs> i mean maybe zora could have confided in gray earlier and they could have shown a shot or two of that and in some yeah. conversations there but yeah it felt very last minute but, Maybe uh, Zora's uh, uh, manipulating uh, ma- manipulating them the way that Ron Tarka's manipulating Book, and we yeah. just did uh, because Discovery is biased. Uh, we just uh, we didn't see the scene where that was happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I I guess the 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 one thing we didn't touch was that that fail safe device. I. Uh, uh, at, at least that struck me as a, a really extreme way to start things out. But do, does that? Uh, do you feel like that was a a helpful way for to sort of kick things off? I think that was an interesting curveball that was just thrown in there, right? Like I didn't expect um, Zora to react that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, here here's my kill switch. Uh, I have yeah. I I have nothing to lose and and. I was trying to drop parallels to or analogies to again uh, real day problems, and I couldn't quite do that. But I guess it's related to it, it's tied to you know being extremely transparent and putting yourself out there and uh, uh, running the risk of you know being being exposed or shot down um, in society. That that's what I took from it. The device in itself, it looked cute. It looked like. Uh, a little, uh, you know, ceremonial tea jar or teapot or whatever small one. Yeah, it, was it, anyone it, else a little nervous when Stamets went to go dismantle it? I was like, what if you touch it wrong? Like, like they didn't tell. She didn't tell us how this thing gets activated. Like, yeah, how do you know? Like, know. maybe pulling it apart is the kill switch because, like, we you probably don't want it to be like a big red button because it's too tempting to push. But that would be awesome. Like plot twist, Stamets accidentally. <laughs> Oops, none of that mattered. <laughs> we have this really touching episode. Like we have the clip show in the middle, people hugging and kissing. <laughs> couldn't she dematerialize it herself? Right, like I guess it was it was the statement of the the 
the one who felt the most insecure going and doing the dismantling, right? They wanted to physically show that, but outside of that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it is really hard to like truly prove that Zora couldn't have like done that herself, but um, at least for like the conceit of the episode. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with you that it, it it's, it's most poetic for the one who's, who's the most insecure to dismantle the, the fail safe. Although in reality, like, Stamets has a fail safe if you just break his neck or something. Uh, oh, God, yeah. that was that was Saru's argument, right? That was pretty yeah. grim, since that's how his husband was killed. But yeah. ouch, oof. Um, well, but then he just was resurrected in uh, mushroom space, so maybe maybe it wasn't a fail safe at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. So I yeah I I, I think that's that's probably a, a reasonable pl- reasonable place to. Um, wrap that up does anyone have anything else that they want to uh get into before we start talking about ratings i just want to touch on one thing regarding the spore drive Mm -hmm. um so what they stole was not they stole the experimental spore drive not the one on discovery yeah so discovery can still jump yes is the question i had like so anyway yeah this is the one the experimental the the next phase of spore drives that have been uh we we previously talked about Ron Tarka being the one developing that. Right. And I think we had a reference to the ship that it was going to be on, but I have forgotten it. I don't think it's uh, Voyager because Voyager has a pathway drive. Um but okay. uh potentially it's the it's the ship that uh that they were evaluating uh uh Burnham for uh becoming the captain right. of and also Saru. Um so yeah so th- th- maybe we will see that ship in the future or now that it has no engine uh, <laughs> we won't see it at all I, i'm kind of speaking of saru i'm appreciating this dual captain role like i really feel like yeah. they are sharing legit big responsibilities like i know she i know he's not like the second captain of the ship she's mm-hmm. the captain of the ship but or burnham is the captain of the ship but um i appreciate that that um, Saru is doing really important things and is involved in really important things on the ship too. So, yeah, it, it feels like a partnership in a way that um, maybe I, I, yeah, I wasn't expecting. I, I was expecting more of a like, cause we, we had a lot of like previous seasons has been like, well, should Saru be the captain or should Burnham be the captain? That's not really in question here. And it's uh, so it's not like episodes about how Saru feels like, he is being trampled over by by Burnham or anything like that. So I I, I do appreciate that that uh, the way that they're dealing with this. Uh, there was one bit of trivia that I wanted to uh, uh, correct the episode on. Uh, so it, you might have uh, thought that they were talking about the Kittimer Accords, uh, which is where the um, the I think it was twenty two ninety three the initial uh, like peace treaty that's uh been referenced uh many times between the klingon empire and the federation uh this is actually the second kittimer accords which we don't know when those happened uh but it was referenced in star trek insurrection that the sona were violating uh uh by using subspace weapons um Mm. uh when Mm. we had to blow up the uh the the warp core into it in order to like survive or whatever uh, great great eject the core sequence uh from the tng crew instead of voyager um yeah so uh with that i think uh we can go into ratings um 
before that, sorry, I had just okay. one last point. Um, we were unsure if um, the home world of the Andorians was Andoria or Andor. Well, guess what? Memory Alpha Alpha thinks that it is either or. So it is Andoria, a.k.a. Andor. So, oh, um, interesting. Whatever works for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like a really early episode in TOS where uh, they say that Spock is a Vulcanian. Oh, yeah, oh, I remember oh, that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Star Trek has not always been the most consistent. Well, and then sometimes they'll call people humans Earthens. I think I heard them say Earthen in one. I can't remember what episode oh, it was. But... That is awesome. Glad they stopped doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've always been for Terrans, but uh, 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 the Expanse has been getting me into the idea of being called Earthers. I think that's that's an interesting uh, way to do it. At least m- maybe it's it's better in that like Norwegian accent that all the Belters have. But Arthur um, just reminds me of Berther, <laughs> and then that reminds me of oh, no. not good things. <laughs> oh, it ended up in another episode. So oh. uh, great. Let's 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 go over to our ratings. Who's who's got a rating for this episode? Uh, I'll go. I'll give it an eight out of ten. I thought it was super solid and. Uh, I anticipate, I hope, that it will get the ball rolling on um, some really cool stuff in the second half of the season. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I'll, I'll jump in here and give it a... I, th- I think I'll give it a 7, even though I it. what's weird is, like, in the structure of the season, I think it's a really effective episode because it's it's uh, making me think that the, the anomaly really is an interesting plot device, like it's it's giving us an int- uh, interesting duo of villains potentially, um, whereas I I was just really worried about this being just yet another like this thing's gonna end all sentient life and whatever. And it's really only killed one planet, so it's not even that big of a deal, you know. It's um, only five light years across, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, but it's uh, but the the episode itself I felt was a a bit on the clunky side. Like I didn't understand we needed to, to like be talking over each other and like constant, I, I, the cinematographers love their constant spinning in this series. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know that I recommend watching discovery with vertigo, but I'm going to give this a four out of five, even though I had my complaints about it, but overall <laughs> I liked the episode when the episode finished I commented to my husband who woke up in time to see the episode finish um, that I I felt like Discovery really, it, this was really a strong season of Discovery. And I, I wasn't yeah. sure when the season started. I didn't hate it as much as the rest of you. But um, uh, but I just, I, I have I have pretty consistently enjoyed this season. And I, yeah. there, I've, I've, it's been a lot of compelling storytelling. And, um, and, you know, I know Notch complains about the music. I liked the music in this episode. There were, I can't even remember what it yeah. was, but there were a few scenes where I was like, oh, that's that's really effective use of music. But I also am listening. I will walk out of a movie and go, that movie had incredible music. And I know people say, oh, that's the sign of a good movie score is that you don't notice it. I totally disagree, <laughs> but that's because I'm a musician. So I always notice the movie score. And if I don't notice a movie score, then it was no good, clearly. So <laughs> anyway. 
Yeah, I, I definitely came out of the episode uh, uh, humming the tunes, uh, and yet th- there was a there was a variation on the usual theme uh, that yeah. happened in uh, I think maybe in one of the gray scenes. Well, and they also used some of the end credit music. They had some variations of yeah. that in this in the episode as well. So, all right, um, I'll bring it to a close by calling out that uh, unfortunately there's still some discovery hating going on here with me. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, but, but, but I've been thinking through this, um, I've been thinking about what I would rate this through our conversation. And it's interesting with discovery. I start with a certain level of, uh, confusion. St- I start a podcast, with a certain level of confusion and, and lack of clarity and, and mm-hmm. just, you know, disdain. And then in talking to y'all, it, it does throw light on a lot of things that I never really looked at before. And I think it's almost representative of Discovery as a season and maybe even as a series. So I think it's it's beginning to find place in in my view of, of Star Trek. Um, they definitely try to do a lot, right? Throughout, they've tried to yeah. do a lot. And they try hard to tie to real events and, and tr- try to drive... Um, the appreci- appreciation of individualism and the ability to get, you know, people enough sp- space to express themselves. There's problems in society today. Um, and, and there's so many, there's, there's equality uh, of gender across so many different uh, uh, flavors. It's, it's hard to tackle all of that. And sometimes I've felt that other shows do it better, you know, like uh, maybe the expanse or, or foundation, which where it's more subtle, and and uh, even 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 with foundation, the way they've you know changed characters from male to female and uh, put in uh, minority representation. When 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 I read these books long ago, like 10, 20 years ago, always thought of them as white dudes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that's where the that's where the challenge is, and I and I like that aspect. So I'm learning. Um, mm-hmm. So I I am giving it a you know I'm then. A midpoint score of seven because it's it's helping me drive that. I feel the next step is um, you know obviously to have strong plot, but to get some of these characters in positions of of um, you know authority. Like I think I think Michael Burnham, while being an African American and, and and a woman, is still shaped a little bit towards. Uh, they're trying to they're, they weren't too risk averse there, but maybe somebody with a gray mullet. Um, you know, has has a position of authority. I don't know, but I'm I'm still learning. So seven, seven kill switches out of ten, which will all be dismantled, um, is my is my rating. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, with that, uh, we have come to the end credits. So uh, I just want to thank each of you, Rudy, Bill, and uh, Emily. Uh, I your your I name is listed name. differently. <laughs> oh so yeah, sorry. I was reading. <laughs> I was like, he forgot my name, no, and he's known me his whole life. No, no, it, it is. I, I was going to say uh, Emily's church instead because that's, that's what it says on Zoom. Yeah, sorry, I'm logged into the wrong account. So yeah, I, I also want to thank our, our absent uh, co-hosts of uh, Notch, uh, Max, and Dinah. I hope that uh, you're just having a great time. Uh, 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 I think Notch is probably in the air right now, so uh, that's cool too. <laughs> oh, we forgot to say thank you, Adam. Thank you for yeah, thank you, Adam. Yes, 
and yes. remembering my name eventually. <laughs> so cool. Uh, thanks to Jishnu Guha for our theme music. And I also want to thank our listeners. It's uh, great just knowing that there are people who listen to us. That's just awesome. So, uh, and, you know, I want to give a special thanks to Kovic uh, for getting so many damn degrees. Uh, I'm sure it's much easier on the writers when they don't have to create a new character for each episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.